everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by the Tees. So we've got a topic that I know you're going to love to chat about because I know in the past you kind of had a thing with said topic. Okay. So I'm not embarrassed. It's, you know, it's a cringy trend that culturally. So there is a trend and it's called tan touring. It is, as I mentioned, the newest beauty trend out there. And I personally always want to look like I have a tanned glow, even though at some given point in the year, it may be 20 below here. <laughs> and I actually don't like to even lay out in the sun. But who doesn't like a, a bronzy, <laughs> you know, I, everybody looks better with a little bit of a all day, tan. All day long. In fact, we took family photos last night and I'm pretty sure that I looked very tan and the rest of my family did not. But that's just what's going to happen. We're going to color correct that baby later. Yep. Anyway, yep. this tan complexion through the winter is a thing. And tantering refers to the practice of using skincare products, spray tan and cosmetics together to achieve and maintain a semi-permanent golden complexion in the midst of winter, which we are diving into here in the Midwest. Head first. What are your thoughts on this? I don't know if you still are amenable to a easy. Easy. I love a self-tanner. I've not gone into the deep end off of it into those waters for a while. So, but I love this trend. I think like everybody looks better <laughs> um, with a little bit of bronze going on. Um, a little bit of a sparkle. I'm a highlighter. Like I'm not above any of these things. Um, and so, yeah, I'm stamp of approval. Like let's, let's do it. Let's live our best lives this winter. Things are hectic. At any moment. I am tantored and contoured, <laughs> and I'm not afraid to admit it. Let's let's live our truths. There's no shade, no shame. We're good. We're good with this it's one. It's out there. I'm happy to see it. <laughs> uh, the next one is, I know you also have an affinity for Bad Bunny. Mm-hmm. I sure do. So Bad Bunny is happening. It's a cultural experience. If our listeners don't know much about Bad Bunny, will you please... Share with us. I mean, who? Uh, yes, right. Okay, so uh, Puerto Rican reggaetonero, like pop superstar, gender stereotype smashing everything. Um, Bad Bunny, El Conejo Malo, is the moment, an icon, etc. Insert Wendy Williams meme. Like I, I cannot say enough about Benito. I'm a stan. Um, and I've been really, really excited to see what's been popping off on the internet, which is what you're going to talk about. Uh, yeah. There are people who are losing their SHIT, <laughs> booking appointments, getting a very specific hairstyle for the Umberano Sinti concert, which I was not able to secure tickets to. So shout out to everybody that did. Very jealous. Um, and then they're like dropping crazy coin on, on this. So tell us, tell our listeners what's going down. What is the look that we're referring to? So the look, the Luke is from hairstylist, Nicole Morales. Mm -hmm. And if you search bad bunny hairstyles on TikTok, you're going to find certainly the singers, but you're going to find also Morales's account. So it has to do with, uh, glittery mermaid waves, Mm -hmm. pastel butterfly clips, Bubble pigtails, all in its own mashup, if you will. And so it's very cute. Very cute and very fitting given people. I mean, if you know Bad Bunny's music, like he's all about the fusion. Um, There's lots of like throwbacks to earlier eras. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense. The styles are like spot on. So we love to see it. Does this style make sense outside of the context of a bad bunny concert or a tiktok video i'd love your thoughts i mean i don't necessarily think so however i wouldn't poo poo it if i saw it on the street what about you that's fair that's fair no 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 that's where i'm at um it's a vibe it's a vibe we're all about it let's let's have more you've got to be going somewhere it's not a target look it's not a target run no 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 mm-hmm. no and you certainly would not be trying on headbands if you're rocking one of these too much going on butterfly bubble braid you know <laughs> can't can't do that couldn't do that that would be a crime oh which reminds me last podcast you told me that you thought i would look at a headband and i've got to tell you 
I bought two headbands this weekend and I forgot to wear them next time. I thought you were going to say you bought them, you tried them, you didn't like it. It didn't work because I thought that's where I thought we were going. But I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Embrace the headband. Never on my own would I have bought said headband. But we were walking in Target. Mm -hmm. My best friend was visiting from Arizona. I said, I've got a, I've got a friend on the pod. He said I should try the headband. She scooped up those headbands and picked out two for me. And I bought them. Look at that. For you next week. <sighs> Can't wait. Can't wait. You heard it here on the pod. Uh, we will drop some pics. You'll see the vids. She'll be wearing a, a headband. That is a fall trend that I'm very excited about continuing. All right. But I think we should have Nicole on the pod. All right, let's break it down. Let's talk about it. I'm all about it. Let's the invitation's wide open. It's open. Bien, estás bienvenida. Let's make it happen. Oh, yes. When you put it that way. <laughs> all right. On last week's episode, we talked with Josh Camo. Josh has always been into styling his own hair. In 2005, realizing cosmetology school education was brief and inexpensive, he decided to enroll. For his 29th birthday, he set the goal that he would open a salon in one year. And 10 months later, hair opened to the public. From there, his empire only grew. He decided to create his own hair oil. And then soon he saw a need to help stylists create looks that were virally trending on social media platforms. And Color Map was then born. As they move forward with building Josh Camo hair, his goal is to educate and motivate more stylists to be their best. Make sure you hit subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volume up at thetease.com. And this week, we're talking with Larry Foster, Vice President of Education, Compliance, and Student Services at Chicochi University Beauty Culture. Before Chicochi University, he served as Vice President of Empire Education Group, Commissioner for NACCAS. Larry has spent over 25 years in the beauty industry as a cosmetologist, esthetician, massage therapist, educator, and spa owner. He's done it all. And Tricocci University was founded in 2004 by beauty industry legend Mario Tricocci, who built a highly successful chain of upscale salons and day spas under the Mario Tricocci Hair and Salon Day Spa and Mario Tricocci 2 brands. Tricocci University Beauty Culture believes successor students and associates results from their people-centered culture. They are passionately committed to preparing students to become licensed professionals within the beauty industry. Not going to want to miss this combo with Larry. We really talked about everything, including BAPS, which... Deep cut. Deep, deep, deep cut. I can't wait to hear it. I am so fond of the legend himself, Mr. Mario Tricocci. So excited to hear all about Tricocci University. All right. Next up, some some more great news benefiting our industry. Ivy Beauty, on behalf of INV, Kiss New York Professional, Red by Kiss, and Ruby Kisses, and Field Beauty Supply, have partnered with PBA, otherwise known as the Professional Beauty Association, to launch the Ivy Beauty and Feel Beauty Supply Scholarship Program. So they're awarding, that was a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah. They're awarding 10 African-American students who are currently enrolled in an accredited cosmetology, barbering, or hairstyling program, a scholarship for funds in the 2022 and 2023 year. So we love to see that, right, Jeff? Big deal. Big deal. No, this is incredible. Um, Anybody that's currently enrolled at a program that leads to licensure, which is the important thing, can apply, which like, let's, Let's do it. And for those of you interested, head over to the Professional Beauty Association's website. All of the information, the deets will be there. Um, Essentially, applications close January 24th. So you've got some time, but head on over. Something else that we're excited about that we're seeing talked about on the internet, um, as we tend to, to do as we scroll, is that there's a new competitive hairstyle show that is coming to our TVs, to streamers, question mark, sometime soon. And that is a show that is being spearheaded by legendary Italian stylist Rosano Ferretti. It is called tentatively, because who knows as this comes to fruition, Hairstyle The Talent Show, which is a new television concept where top hair professionals in the country face extraordinary challenges to be named the best in the nation and win a prize package that includes keys to their own custom hair salon and a prize worth $150,000. So this is the same production company that has brought us Master Chef and all sorts of related properties. Uh, So it's kind of a big deal. This is exciting. Um, What do you think? Hey, I'm here for anything that elevates our community, our pros. So yes, just like Top Chef, Master Chef, all of the different areas that you can excel, let's talk about it. Let's elevate our profession. So Kudos to them. Let's bring it mainstream and check out the show. 
Yeah, can't wait. He's going to be joined by a renowned stylist and guest celebrity for each episode. Cool. Big deal in terms of sponsors. We've got Off Apart Milano, Great Lengths, Gama Italy. So, I mean, let's see. Let's see when this hits. Um, we're excited. You heard it here. Other things that you're hearing here for the first time, <laughs> things that are trending on our site. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week uncovering industry news, looking into trends and diving into brands that you don't know, but you should. And here are some of our favorite headlines. First up, Meet Wigs for Kids, the organization dedicated to helping kids with hair loss. Since 1981, Wigs for Kids has been on a mission to help children who have experienced hair loss due to a medical issue. The nonprofit organization collects hair and monetary donations in order to create custom hair replacement systems for children without any cost to their family. Wigs for Kids partners with experienced stylists in order to ensure each hair piece is perfect. Overall, the process requires around $1,800, which is why the organization relies on both monetary and hair donations. To learn more about Wigs for Kids and the amazing work that they're doing, head to thetees.com. Could there be a more incredible organization? No, absolutely not. And as timing would have it, Jeff, I literally just got off the phone call with Jeffrey Paul, who is the creator and brains and founder of Wigs for Kids. And he said on average, serve around 500 to 600 kids a year, wow. and there's no cost to the kids. And so I want to say if there's any big brands listening out there, like, come on, let's get behind it. Right. I mean, these are high quality wigs that these children need in a very developmental time in their lives. So kudos to the Wigs for Kids team and to Jeffrey Paul for making so just, just, it's a feel good. Yeah. Yep. We love a feel good. There's nothing wrong with that, especially as we're getting into the holidays. This is one of those that we want to get behind. So as Kelly said, if you're a brand and you're listening, dig deep, let's make something happen. Um, and if you want to learn more, go to the tease.com. Speaking of that very website, another article that we're excited about, and it's mostly me. So sorry, you might not be into this as much as I am. Um, the article is entitled All About Haley Williams and Brian O'Connor's New Nashville Salon, Roots Hair Lab. Throughout her career, Haley Williams has never been shy when it comes to experimenting with hair. The Paramore star has rocked several vibrant and eye-catching shades, such as her signature orange and electric blue and a two-tone pink. Given her personal passion for hair experimentation, it's no surprise that recently she announced that her and her longtime stylist, Brian O'Connor, would be opening their very own salon. The salon called Fruits Hair Lab is not Williams and O'Connor's first venture into the hair industry. You guys know about Good Die Young. To learn more, head to thetees.com. So the question that I've got for you, when are we heading to Nashville? Oh, anytime. I mean, first of all, the aesthetic, beautiful. Logo, beautiful. We love all of the fine details. Branding. Ooh, ooh. I mean, chef's kiss. All of them. Um, and I love too that they are making a big effort to be environmentally friendly, which hello, mm -hmm. please, and thank you, everyone. Um, they're a Green Circle Salon, which we need to talk to the folks at Green Circle. Um, but it's cool because they're adding like a small eco fee of $1.45 to all the appointments to basically maintain their carbon neutral practices, which I'd pay twice that. Genius. Genius. It's actually super smart to help them, um, again, maintain that business practice. So I wish them all of the success. Yeah, we're watching like a hawk. Um, excited to see the styles that are coming out of the salon too. Um, I would never go orange. I'll just put that out there. Okay. Again, my coloring will not allow for that. But I am very, very jealous that she's been able to successfully do orange for so long. Yeah, it's beautiful. Stunning. It is. All right. One more. The article is called The One Where the Rachel and the Monica Hairstyles Became a Cultural Phenomenon. Even if you've never seen a single episode of Friends before, like the author of this piece, which is crazy, you most <laughs> likely know what the... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You most likely know what the Rachel hairstyle is. The mega choppy face framing cut worn by Jennifer Aniston's character, Rachel Green, in the early seasons of the beloved sitcom was one of the most popular hairstyles in the 90s and continues to spark millions of copycat cuts worldwide to this day. Ironically, despite everyone in the 90s being obsessed with the Rachel, Aniston actually admitted that she wasn't a fan of the iconic hairstyle, which we've talked about on this podcast. Regardless of Aniston's long-standing reservations about the hair look, the fact of the matter is that the Rachel and other hairstyles associated with the hit show, like the Monica, have endured the test of time. Head to thetees.com to check out modern interpretations of this look, which are taking over the talk. My question, Kelly. Number one, did you have a Rachel? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. yeah. That was easy. And the answer is 
hell yes, I had a yeah, rage. Of course you did. This of course you was did. in the prime of my high school years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I believe it was a Rachel mixed with a little bit of a Monica, but I did have some highlights and then it was full shag. And I'm going to, I'm going to treat you with some photos. Yes. Yes. Was this care of your mom's hairstyling? Of course. I was first on that bandwagon and don't regret it. I love a little bit of a shag. I love the multi-layers. So for Mm. me, I'm totally back on the bandwagon. Yeah. I'm honestly not at all surprised that it's stuck around. Um, And I'm loving. So in this article, we dive into all of the different modern interpretations as stated of the look. It's it's so good, honestly, better than the original. Um, But the the second question that I had for you, and you had just mentioned it, which is uh, having elements of other hair. Is there a difference honestly between the original Rachel and the original Monica looking at those pics? It's I mean, I feel like the Rachel had a little bit more volume at the crown. Mm, okay. I mean, the color is completely different. I can see it. A little bit longer, like maybe an inch, inch and a half, but they were they were shaped and mirrored off of the same structural cut. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I, I don't think that that's controversial. Um, if you look back at those episodes, it's pretty much like, you know, the, the cut took off and then Monica Geller got that cut too. Yeah, she was followed. You know, here's the thing too, is like, was Jennifer Anderson in the show so popular and then everybody got the haircut or was the haircut actually that good that everybody just got the haircut? Like we could break that down and go pretty meta on it, but another day, another podcast. Another um, but I would actually be interested in unpacking it. I mean, it is uh, crazy that we're talking about it, you know, 30 plus years uh, after. Yeah. So agree. Kudos to them. Kudos to the team. Kudos to Chris McMillan. Um, all right. As always, so much going on at thetease.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We're proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. Larry Foster is Vice President of Education, Compliance, and Student Services at Tracochi University of Beauty Culture. Before Tracochi University, he served as Vice President of Empire Education Group, Commissioner for NACCAS. Larry has spent over 25 years in the beauty industry as a cosmetologist, esthetician, massage therapist, educator, and spa owner. Tracochi University was founded in 2004 by beauty industry legend Mario Tracochi, who built a highly successful chain of upscale salons and day spas under the Mario Tricocci Hair Salon and Day Spa and Mario Tricocci 2 brands. Mario conceived and launched a brand new company, Tricocci University of Beauty Culture, to introduce fresh and innovative cosmetology and beauty school curriculum, providing students with advanced technical skills, ethics, professionalism, and leadership values. Due to rapid growth in the salon and day spa industry, particularly in the more upscale segments of the market, salon owners are asking for new technicians to possess a higher level of technical, customer service, and client building skills than ever before. Tricochi University Beauty Culture is filling this need using its beauty schools to produce salon-ready professionals that are eager to start their successful careers in cosmetology, aesthetics, nail technology, and as teachers. Tricochi University Beauty Culture believes success for students and associates results from its people-centered culture. They are passionately committed to preparing students to become licensed professionals within the beauty industry. Hey, Larry, how's it going? Welcome to the Volume Up podcast. Hey, I'm excited to be here. We are excited to have you. All right, so we've given a little bit of a bio, but let's hear about you from you. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in the salon professional industry? You know, actually, when I started, I started my career path thinking that I wouldn't go into cosmetology. I actually had always dreamed about it. I was that, you know, my aunt was a cosmetologist. My mom was for a brief while. Mm -hmm. So I had always dreamed about it, but I didn't think it was a viable career. Mm. So I went into hotel management originally. So that's what my degree was in Mm -hmm. and got involved in meeting and event planning and Got a little tired of the travel, so I've been getting massages, <laughs> I've been getting facials, and I thought this is great. So I went back to school for those two things first mm-hmm. and got my licenses, worked in a day spa in Indianapolis, and then opened up my first day spa shortly thereafter. And then I grew it to my second day spa. And that one was more what I like to call my BAP stream, Holly Berry's finest movie. Wow. Deep cut, Larry. You know, so she wanted a restaurant and a salon. So I ended up opening a restaurant, day spa and bed and breakfast. So I incorporated it all. And then when I sold those, I kind of, I, my husband and I had children at the time. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be a stay at home dad. And then I found out that being a stay at home dad really wasn't for me. So 
somehow through all that evolution, I ended up in the beauty school business after that. Wow. Uh, that's quite a path. Um, we appreciate the honesty. Uh, oftentimes on this podcast, we've got people being like, I always knew it was always going to be in the cards for me. Um, so I'd like to hear this one. That was a little bit of a different uh, pathway. And again, the deep cut with the Halle Berry Baps reference. We'd love to see it. Um, so how did you get from Indianapolis um, with multiple locations to Tricochi University? So once we had our children, I was actually at swim lessons with my children and my husband stopped over and I was talking to all the moms about the plans and things like that because this was 20 years ago. And mm -hmm. he looked at me and said, really, this is what your life's become. And I was like, so I wasn't real happy just staying at home. So I, the good thing about the beauty industry is you can kind of manipulate it the way you want. Mm -hmm. So you can do it part time, you can do it full time. And so I rented out a space in a small studio and started doing hair and skin and massage and all that there. And it worked out incredibly well because I was still able to be at home and be a part of my kid's life, but still got mm -hmm. to get out a little bit. And I went to visit a girlfriend of mine who was working in a beauty school. Mm -hmm. And after I got through talking to her, I was walking to my car and this crazy woman who ended up becoming one of my mentors chased me out in the parking lot and pulled me into her office. And I was sitting there talking to her and I had given myself a chemical peel. I'd been working out in the garden, so I had on shredded jeans. And about 10 minutes in the conversation, I said, are you interviewing me for a job? And she goes, no, I'm offering you a job. I really need you here. So I that was my first kind of go at a beauty school. Mm -hmm. And I ended up staying with that company for 12 years and worked my way up from a, an educator all the way up to the National VP of Education. Wow. And then from there, I transitioned over to Tricochi and haven't looked back. I've really enjoyed education. Oh, wow. Uh, that Again, we're like just learning all sorts of incredible things. Um, look at where life can take you. Uh, with Tricochi, what does your actual day-to-day -day look like? Like, Break that down for us a little bit. I think that people would be curious to, to know. So I am over all things education, compliance, and student services. So a lot of my day is spent working either with our vendors mm -hmm. like L'Oreal, you know, I have a meeting with them tomorrow, or I'm developing new curriculum, or I'm working with our student retention issues, or I'm dealing with regulatory issues from the government and Department of Education. So it's a little bit of everything, which fits perfectly into my ADD because I never <laughs> stay focused on one thing. I just kind of bounce back and forth all the way around. Wow. Um, what's one thing that you do every day at work that people would never think of? You know, I think they would probably be surprised that I do lists. You know, I actually start my day with a list. I end it with a list, you know, seeing what I actually got accomplished. Mm -hmm. And then I start working on my list for tomorrow. And that's it's just a repeat because, again, I, I joke all the time that I'm ADD or actually I tell everyone I'm more ADLAP, which is more attention deficit. Well, look a puppy. So <laughs> I really need those lists to stay focused. So I think mm -hmm. that that's my one go to thing that I have to do. So at the end of every night, I go through and see what was accomplished off the list, see what it can wait till tomorrow. If there's something that can wait till tomorrow that I finish quickly before I end my day. And then I start the day out with a new list. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, save for looking for puppies, what else are you really enjoying about your work um, at Tricochi? Um, what is like the, the one thing where you're like, oh God, this is it for me? I will tell you that one of the things that when Tricochi came courting me, it took me about six months to say yes. And the one thing that sealed the deal for me was meeting with my CEO face to face. And I realized when he started talking about the mission, how important it was him for him that it wasn't, we weren't just the educator of choice, but he wanted to be the employer of choice. And that really struck a chord with me that we are not only focused on providing the best education we can, but we want to be a great employer. We want to give back to our educators, our campus directors. I mean, everyone that works within the company and we are moving forth with that mission all the way around. And it's been incredible. So 
that's the one thing about Tricochi that I think I just don't look back. I think that I've landed at my forever home. Uh, well, we love that for you. Um, and we want that for our listeners. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, what is a lesson that you've learned during your career? Um, it spans a couple of areas. And, and obviously, you're happy at Tricochi now. But along the way, I'm sure you've, you've picked up some some wisdom. Um, what's what's a, the biggest lesson you've learned so far? I think the biggest lesson for me is uh, getting people to realize that it's not always when they're leading people, it's not really always about the job skills. It's really learning to focus on those people skills because mm. no matter where you're in, we're involved in sales, right? So, and people don't buy things, people buy people. Mm. So we have to be able to have those job skills, but but more importantly, those people skills. You know, when you're when you're leading a team, if you're a salon manager and you have 12 employees, it's not 12 employees, it's 12 individual people. Mm -hmm. And you have to know what actually incentivizes them, what motivates them, what inspires them. And you have to, you have to be able to work with that. Mm. Uh, related, what's one thing that everyone in the industry should either stop or start doing um, based on sort of what you just said to us there? I think we need to stop giving up. I think that's one piece of it. Mm. But I think that a lot of we just stop. I think stop job hopping. You know, that's one of the things with our students once they graduate, you know, really take your time to get that placement to be perfect for you. Mm. Because the more we jump around, we don't get a chance to build that clientele. Mm. And I think one thing we need to start doing is taking better care of ourselves. Because once we get busy, we Ooh. don't always take the time to really take care of ourselves. And I think mm -hmm. we have to be able to take care of ourselves and have a good work-life balance and figure out what we need to be able to refresh each day, what fills our cup. Uh, well put. Um, what is, from your perspective, um, having been in different parts of the salon professional beauty industry, um, the biggest myth from your end? What do you think people get wrong about our industry? I think if they don't work in our industry, the biggest myth is that they we don't make any money. You know, we're <laughs> we're, we're we're in a business that is over a five hundred billion dollar business. You know, so and I feel like you can be as big in that world as you want to be, or as small as you want to be, and there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. But I I really am hopeful that people understand that you can make an incredible career within the beauty industry and make a lot of money doing it and have a lot of fun. You know, if it wasn't for this industry, I may not have seen the world like I have. I not, may not have met the people I met. I mean, I really regret I didn't go into it straight after high school, mm. but I'm here now and I love it. So I think that's the biggest myth is when I talk to parents and people who are coming to beauty school, they just don't think their children are going to make any money. Those are the things that will help us overcome that stigma of thinking that cosmetologists don't make money. You know, it, what the American Association of Cosmetology Schools is doing, I just came from their convention a couple of weeks ago. What they're doing is actually going and battling the Bureau of Labor Statistics that actually has our cosmetology salary at something like $18,000 a year or something ridiculous. So they're doing a whole study on their own to be able to show what cosmetologists do make, you know. They're going to be somewhat limited. I still think that's going to be a little skewed because we all know not all cosmetologists report all their income. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, what do you mean? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not sure we're going to get the true definition of an average salary, but it's going to more than double what's currently out there showing that it is a viable income. Yep. Well, let's talk about that shift because you are responsible for helping us to get into a different mindset, a different paradigm. Um, so what are you seeing at Tricochi? What are the biggest challenges that you are seeing from students that they're facing when they're thinking about coming to cosmetology school? Um, what are the hurdles? What are we what are we looking at? The hurdles when they're thinking about going to beauty school is probably their parents. Sure. I think parents right now are becoming a little bit more aware of the value of a trade school. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big piece of it, but they still battle it. I think everyone always wants their son or daughter to go to a four-year college. Yep. I went to a four-year college. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and you're here. Yeah, I'm not using... I, I missed out on probably 10 years that I could have been in the industry a lot sooner. Yeah. And that part is something I communicate to them a lot. I mean, from... Tricochi's standpoint, we have other things, you know, we have the regulatory things, we have gainful employment, we have, 
you know, borrowers, defense to repayment, you know, but I think we're on a trend. We see a lot more people enrolling in school. We see a huge upswing in aesthetics, and that is probably overtaking cosmetology as our number one program, and they're kind of neck and neck. Wow. So I think that's it. I think at Tricochi, we have such a strong, diverse population, and we're learning how to manipulate through that as well. Mm. So everyone feels inclusive and that they're a part of something bigger. So all in all, I mean, we are tackling each challenge, but I think the biggest one for our students is that family support, you know, so I think that's a huge piece of it. Yeah, we've had podcast guests uh, who admitted to lying to parents in order to go to cosmetology school, um, where they said that they were doing something else, they just wouldn't disclose. And, and we had uh, one of our podcast guests talk about somebody discovering their kit, um, and that sort of outing them as doing what they were doing because of the stigma that you, you were referring to. Um, all right, so let's talk about students that are enrolled. Um, and it's good to hear uh, that you've got, you know, this competitive program between aesthetics and and hair, um, what are challenges that students are facing once in beauty school? Once in school, I say the number one challenge we deal with is probably mental health. And that's followed by more financial burdens mm. and childcare. But I think mental health right now is a huge concern and something that we need to talk more openly about. Mm -hmm. The good news is with us, you know, I'm over student services and we have student success advisors at every school. And if people have those obstacles like mental health issues or if they're having problems with childcare or they're homeless or whatever the case may be, those are people at the school at the ground level that are working with them to be able to help them problem solve those issues wow. to make sure that we're doing everything to make them successful. Because we don't always know what that student's facing on a daily basis. Sure. You know, I was at a campus not too long ago talking to a student and was congratulating her because she graduated with 100% attendance from the cosmetology program, which is you know, a 10-month program. Mm -hmm. And she explained to me how she had been homeless for the last four months and living in her car. And you know, sometimes her car wasn't working and what she had to do to get to school and all those things. And now here she is already passed the state board prior to graduating. So she's graduated with 100% attendance, got her license, and now is able to actually support her and her daughter. And that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, that's, wow, that's incredible. Um, and I mean, there's so many inspiring stories like that within this industry, um, which is important for us to be able to, to talk about. Um, how would you say, you know, in your role, uh, that Tricochi is helping students to go beyond just learning about cutting and coloring and more about entrepreneurship, networking, mentoring, mentorship, being menteed, uh, mentored, excuse me, being the mentee? <laughs> how do they get clients to feel comfortable? Like, what does that look like um, within your curriculums? So we work with different vendor partners who actually help us develop business programs. Because I, mm -hmm. when I talk to the students, I speak not only about entrepreneurship, but entrepreneurship, because I think, you know, the number one question, or when we ask people, what is your dream? Why are you in cosmetology school? Mm -hmm. The number one answer we get is usually I want to open up my own place. Mm -hmm. So I try to encourage them and let them know that you don't have to be the owner of a place. You can be an entrepreneurial too. You can go in and run that place like it's your business. Mm -hmm. You know, in my prior life, at my previous job through education, through that whole 12 years from going from educator to national VP, I never applied for a single position. Even my first one, I was chased down in the parking lot. So <laughs> through every bit of my growth, I never applied for a single position. I even turned down promotions along the way because I wasn't sure if I wanted to take them. Mm. But it was because of that entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit that they saw in me that actually I was working on the betterment of the company and growing and things like that. And I was rewarded that way. Mm. And I'm trying to convince students that that is a path that they can take. And then once they get all that experience, then they can open up their own salon. You know? So it's not always just jumping off and going straight into it because we really work with the vendors to make sure it takes an average of two years for a student to build a book once they're out of school. Mm -hmm. We want them to start building that book in school. We want them to take their clientele with them. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not, 
necessarily going to take the person who's sitting in their chair that's been coming there for 20 years. But if they're recruiting people and using business skills to get them in, and they're people that they personally market themselves to, that they brought in, they will go out and pay their world-world pricing when they graduate. And it's important for them to be able to do that now because then they're not sitting in a chair and spinning and waiting for a person to come in when they get in the salon. They're a lot more employable. Mm. So with our, we work with Prosper U and they do a great business building program. We also work with Beauty as a Business that does a lot with the social media aspect of training them how to use that to build a book. So we incorporate a lot of that into our curriculum because we want to make sure they're successful. And business is a huge part of it. You know, you can be really great at doing hair or great facial or whatever, but if you don't have the business building skills or that knowledge, then you're not always going to take off the way you want. That's fair um, and important to think about. Um, yeah, because you can teach maybe some of those skills, but but really the the business building things that are going to help them to to be successful um, coming from experts is is always the the best route. Um, people that have learned it, lived it, uh, to help them out. Uh, let's talk a little bit about challenges to the education of uh, you know our industry um beauty schools cosmetology schools programs um have been criticized um rightfully so as regards the curricula maybe being a little bit targeted towards specific hair textures and and not looking at others um to the extent that they should be um you've talked a little bit about clientele diversifying, students diversifying, the world is looking different. Unfortunately, for a long time, curricula hadn't sort of caught up to what the world looked like. Uh, so how is Tricochi, how are you guys preparing students to work with, you know, diverse hair textures specifically? I think not only diverse hair textures, I think, you know, the one thing about the beauty business is we, I feel like we've always been one of the more accepting industries mm -hmm. all the way around, but I don't think we've moved quick enough not only with different hair textures, but also gender, mm -hmm. age, mm -hmm. you know, sure. even skin types and skin tones. I mean, <laughs> so all the way around, I just don't think we've moved quick enough. And I don't think Gen Z is going to tolerate us moving as slow <laughs> as we have. They're very vocal. I mean, they are. I am guilty. You know, I was educated and schooled by my daughter probably about three years ago. She's 18 mm -hmm. now. So I want to say she was 14 or 15. And we got into discussion about non-binary mm -hmm. and she looked at me through the discussion because my thought on it was I was struggling with the they, um, you know, for me, it was a grammatical thing, you mm -hmm. know, because it was identifying one person. And she actually looked at me through the discussion. She goes, you realized you sound homophobic and I'm a gay man in my fifties. So I was like, mm -hmm. whoa, wait a minute. It's <laughs> tough. Yeah. <laughs> How can you call me homophobic when, and then I realized she wasn't calling me. She said I sounded like it because I wasn't really being as open. So I made it a mission to really learn and talking through it with a friend of mine. I was like, you know, we grew up in the 80s. We grew up with Boy George, Annie Lennox, Grace Jones, Divine, even David Bowie at that time. You know, so mm -hmm. if those aren't great examples of people who could have been identified as non-binary, then I, mm -hmm. I say shame on us because we grew up with it and we were, you know, resisting some of that change. So so we looked at it from a business perspective and we decided we are not going to teach to color. We're not going to teach to gender. So we've made everything more gender neutral. We're mm -hmm. rolling out a brand new menu that is not specific to any gender. It discusses textures of hair, mm -hmm. not colors of skin. Everything about it is more neutral. And that's what we want. We want everyone to feel included. And then we worked with Pivot Point, who's incredible mm -hmm. from a curriculum standpoint. And our partners there really embrace it. So they're helping me with the curriculum side and the textbook side. They actually have been teaching now that hair is more like fabric. Mm -hmm. you know, it's the fabric of the hair. It has nothing to do with the color of the skin. You know, we should treat it like fabric. Is this, you know, a silk? You know, when we talk about the textures and the one through four and the A through C, you know, that's all we're worried about. It's not who it's attached to because we live in a very diverse time. So people don't always identify as black or white or African-American or Asian or anything else because we are all a little bit of a mutt anymore. So we're all a hybrid of all of it. And that's the main thing is 
maintaining that integrity of hair. And the way we have to do it is to know the texture and not have fear over different textures of hair. You know, I think that's a big thing with some schools in the past is we had a fear of mm -hmm. it. And we allowed students to have fear if they weren't comfortable working with a certain type of texture of hair, then we had another student step in and do it for them. You know, but mm -hmm. in our industry, skin type is also an issue because there are some things that we can do on certain types that we can't do on others. So you can't. Right. Mm -hmm. If we don't know how to handle the skin type, then we could end up with post-traumatic hyperpigmentation or anything like that. So really trying to educate students on how to do it so they have a comfort level. And so no matter who comes in and sits in their chair, they can do that hair. Which, honest to God, love to hear uh, that you guys are taking this as seriously uh, as the moment is requiring. Um, and yeah, like this is the, the dream that we want people to be able to receive service that is going to work for them um, and for the professional to know how best to, to serve them. So exciting to hear that you guys at Chikochi are taking this as seriously as it is um, and that you're preparing students to really help make a difference out there um, and to not have this re sort of segregation of of services uh, continue into this decade. Let's let's be done with it. Um, uh, don't love to hear that your daughter is schooling you, but but good for her for for doing no, it. She, um, I have no regrets about it. I mean, she <laughs> that's that's the whole thing with her generation Gen Z. You know, it's just, they are very vocal and they want to be a part of the solution, mm -hmm. you know, so yep. and I love that about them. So it was eye-opening to me because I didn't realize something as small as just that one pronoun and my struggle with it. I was, it wasn't that I was refusing to do it. Yeah. It was just talking to her about my personal struggle with it. And so it was a wake up call for me. You know, I think we just have to step outside our comfort zone. Sometimes, mm. you know, we have to be willing to be schooled. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like every time I'm in a campus, I can be taught anything by any of the students. And I love that. I think that mm -hmm. I really have that appreciation. If Gen Z's are this strong, I mean, imagine what the Generation Alpha is going to be like. Af that's they exactly have, right. Uh, we have all alpha, they have alpha in their name, I'm sure. They're going to be <laughs> just, as, just as passionate about it as we are. Well, that uh, well put. All right, so let's talk a little bit about stigma. Um, we've touched on this a few times within our conversation thus far. Um, biggest misconceptions about cosmetology school. Um, so not necessarily the the career um, after and there not being money in it, um, but like when within school, what are challenges? What are misconceptions that people might experience? I think misconceptions from the students' level is probably more thinking that they're only going to learn how to pass the state board. Mm. And I think that we have a limited amount of time, but we want to really focus on teaching that student everything we can. So whether that's getting guest speakers or whether that's teaching more dance modalities or we're bringing in a lot more eyelash extensions, brow lamination, things like that, or working, we're now test piloting micro nanoing which is kind of like micro needling but from a school perspective we're not going into the actual dermis sure. so we're looking for those advanced modalities to be able to teach the students above and beyond you know again going into the business building piece you know teaching them how to not just how to rebook but how to do additional add-ons with those services how to ask for referrals mm -hmm. you know everything we can to help them be successful from the business side but I think this stigma for me also with the students is also teaching them that that professional license means something. You know, a lot of our students never finished anything. They didn't mm. necessarily even finish high school. Yep. So when they finish cosmetology school, A, they've completed something, but B, they're getting a professional license from the same agency in a lot of states that license the doctors and nurses and lawyers. And that's something that can't be taken away from them. That's a huge accomplishment. And I think they should take pride in that. So I think those little things, those reminders help fight all of those different stigmas in the outside world, but really bring it home to the cosmetology student and the aesthetic students. Uh, well, I love that. Uh, Larry, let's bring it home right now. Uh, so we've gone through quite a lot in our conversation, but we got some quick takes left. Um, so we're going to ask you these questions. We ask these of all of our guests and then we'll wrap. Okay. First question that we've got for you. What is a quote that you love? I love all sorts of quotes. I use different things for different agendas that I may be teaching or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think like 
This one, a huge one that speaks to me is actually from Estee Lauder, where she said, I never dreamed about success. I worked for it. Mm -hmm. Because as you said earlier in the program, you said everyone always dreamed it. They knew they were going to be it. Well, I always dreamed it too. I mean, I remember with my Aunt Kathy, when she was working in a salon, emptying the ashtrays. That's how old I am. But the ashtrays in the little dryer chairs and things like that. But so, yeah, I always dreamed of it. But you have to work for it. Mm. If you want to be successful, you have to work for it. Mm. I think we do. I think there's a whole, probably 90% of us who always have this as dream, whether we're doing our cousin's hair or playing with Barbies or whatever. I think we always knew we wanted to get our hands in hair or some part of the beauty business. Mm. But that's part of it. The dream is part. We have to work for it. And I think that using someone in the beauty industry and using her quote is really effective with our students hmm. and stands out for me. Well, that is a good one. Um, and we appreciate that that additional context. I mean, you're exactly right. Um, what is the last thing that you Googled, but keep it safe for work? Oh, well, <laughs> I have kids, so I'd always keep it safe for work. Great, 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 great. So mine would be Johnny Depp, Nightmare on Elm Street. Because that's my costume this year, and I want to see what tennis shoes he's gonna he wore. Spooky season. Let's get into it. That's amazing. Did you find the shoes? So yeah, I just ordered them off Amazon, but I already have the sweatpants. I have the cropped off jersey shirt, so I just wanted the tennis shoes. So all right. Well, this is a good segue into the next question, which is, what is the cringiest trend that you've tried? Um, you've <laughs> mentioned being in the industry for a handful of years. I won't name them. We're not going to age you. Um, we've all done things that we regret in terms of hair, skin, etc. I was an unabashed tanorexic for a long time. Um, these are things that are cringy in retrospect. So anything that you cringe over? Perms in the 80s. Again, since my aunt was a hairstylist, she used me a lot when they were learning new techniques. So I had the whole permed mullet with my sides strictly slick back with gel on the side so yeah when i look at those pictures i'm like hmm very very bad choice <laughs> especially when they're paired with my parachute pants that's so the combination of the two you know. right where it's like in isolation yeah, yeah maybe it could have worked maybe it could work now but i think the 80s just weren't kind to us for a lot of trends but that probably was my worst one. all right uh what is one thing that you would change about your daily routine if you could Probably get more sleep. Oh, I feel that. I think that I always say working out, but for some reason, I usually average about five to six hours a night sleep. So I think I'd probably get a little bit more rest. But when I wake up, I just don't want to lay there anymore. I just start going mm. at that point. So I'd probably get more sleep. Okay. We'll take it. Um, what animal are you most like? Oof. So if I had to pick one animal, I would probably say an elephant. So because they tend to be a little bit more easygoing, but they are great leaders and they're loyal to their group. So mm. they're probably an elephant. I love that one. I'll think it eat a lot. Elephant doesn't come up often, but that, that that's a good one. All right. We on this podcast are beauty junkies, product heads. Um, so what is one product that you can't live without? Like you couldn't get through a day without this thing, hair, face, skin, it could be anything. Fragrant, we'll take it all. Ah, that, that would be a tie. Now that you brought fragrance in, it would be a tie because it would either be my Russell's Pink Pig pomade mm -hmm. because like my hair doesn't do well with anything else but that as far as for the final style. And then probably Joe Malone, because I'm a little bit of a Joe Malone addict. So I have a lot of those fragrances. And so probably from that perspective, but if it's strictly hair or skin, I would say the biggest thing would be Rizzle's Pink Pig. I am a huge product junkie and I have product all over the place mm -hmm. and I use a little bit of everything, but that's the one thing that stays stable. So. Love that. Uh, I feel your pain there. Blessing and a curse. I've got so many things, use a little bit of this, a little bit of that, um, which is why we're all looking for recommendations. So if somebody's looking for a pomade, they're going to go and look that up. Uh, what is last question here? The ultimate comfort food for you. So my ultimate comfort food is probably my mom's, pot pie. She has never shared the recipe with us. I have the pie part of the recipe because we own a bakery. 
So, and I know the secret ingredient to a really great pie is the cheap vodka that we put in it because it makes it really flaky and great. But as far as the innards of what she puts in that chicken pot pie, it's just amazing. So my mom's chicken pot pie is my one go-to, but I can't make it. She has to make it for me. Uh, well, you know, sometimes we got to learn and lean on people uh, to do these things to to help us. Um, and you've certainly set this up that you're doing a lot of that for others. They're leaning on you to to get them to go where they need to go. So, Larry, honest to God, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for talking. Um, last, last thing. If people want to find out more about you, more about Tricochi, Tricochi University, where can they go? How can they find? How could they sign up? Drop all the links and we're going to include things in our show notes. Sure. It's tricochiuniversity.edu. And we have 15 campuses through Indiana, Wisconsin, and Illinois. So they're more than welcome to look it up and come visit us. Not only if they want to be a student, but also for services because our students need to get their hands on. And nothing better than coming into a beauty school. Even if you're licensed, come into the beauty schools, mm -hmm. get things done, give feedback to the students. It's really welcomed. And it's a great way to get your next employee, your next rising star. Oh, oh what a way to end. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks to Larry for joining and for sharing all of the deeds. I mean, again, the legacy of Tricochi, the salons, Mr. Tricochi himself, the schools, also important to talk about. Uh, and we loved his commitment to inclusion and making changes. So kudos to, to Larry. Shout out to the, the team over at Tricochi University for, for really stepping in and making some big changes. Uh, we'd love to see it. Love to see it. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease, and send in questions to volume up at thetease.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.